Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. This is Roxanne Gay, the host of the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. Each week, I talk to an interesting person about feminism, race, writing in books and art, food, pop culture, and yes, politics. We can't escape politics. Listen to the Luminary Original Podcast, The Roxanne Gay Agenda, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Conquer your New Year's resolutions with the Before Breakfast Podcast. In each bite-sized daily episode, you'll learn how to make the most of your time with practical tools to help you feel less busy and get more done. Listen to Before Breakfast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hillary Burton opened up about why she left One Tree Hill in 2009. Dak Shepard revealed how he and Kristen Bell talk about sex with their daughters. And we're talking with the Wall Street Journal's Julie Jargon about how teen girls are developing physical ailments after watching TikToks. It's October 27th, 2021. Hey, friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shyla Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Well, Shyla, I don't usually want to talk about BJ Novak, but I am today because I think this is so freaking funny. Okay, so apparently, so he used to do some stock modeling, you know, many, many actors have. And, uh, but apparently somehow on accident, like years ago, these photos got put on a public domain site. And so now he's literally the face of like men's razors, a Nordic cologne, face paint, etc. <laughs> and so he talked about it um, on Instagram yesterday and he was just like, I'm too amused by this to do anything about it. So, you know, I like that response, to be honest. Yes, I really do. Like, I don't know if I would feel the same, but I'm glad <laughs> that people, like, he's having fun with it. It reminds me of Simu Liu and, like, his yes, Getty exactly. photos. And it's just, like, all in, all in stride. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, moving on. On the latest episode of their podcast, Drama Queens, which is about One Tree Hill, stars Hillary Burton, Sophia Bush, and Bethany Joy Lenz reunited with their former co-star, Moira Kelly, for the first time in years. After Hillary asked Moira if there was anything she'd have done differently during her time on the show, she said she wished she'd have been more present and recognized the abuse the young women were allegedly enduring. You know, hearing, honestly, what all of you young women had to go through, um, I don't want to get choked up. If I could go back, um, I would have made my presence stronger there. And mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, being somewhat of a veteran, you were also very young coming into this situation. There's a part of me that feels like I let you all down. Oh, my God. Um, Moira, no. Hillary went on to tearfully tell Moira she was the one who helped her decide to finally leave the show in 2009, adding, quote, you just set such a positive example for us and you were safe. You didn't have to put any extra effort into it. 
This is like, I mean, I know it's probably very off brand. I've never seen One Tree Hill, but everything that I've learned about the show the past year has been very scary. And I love that they, the cast members have found a safe space to talk about things, their own podcast, and they're having someone that was, like she said, they like was safe. And being able to reflect on what happened in a safe way and sort of, I don't want to say say thank you, but like acknowledge what Moira did. And, you know, I think, you know, like you said, they've been talking about this a lot this past year, especially on the podcast where they've been talking about like, you know, the alleged abuse they received from their showrunner. And it's absolutely awful. And it's so sad that Moira, it's so relatable, but it's so sad that she feels like she feels sorry, like she should have done more. And it's like, no, Moira, it's not on you. Mm -hmm. She had, she previously said, you know, she worked the show like a nine to five job because she had a family that she'd go back to. And, you know, these girls didn't yet. And it wasn't on her. I'm glad that, yeah, again, that she's a safe space then and now, but an awful situation. It really is. Okay, so I want to pivot a little bit, and I want to talk about Dax Shepard, who just opened up about the, quote, ingenious way Kristen Bell explains sex to their daughters. In an episode of his podcast, Armchair Expert, he said, When she describes sex to our children, she says, and then the woman takes the man's penis and puts it in her vagina. So right away, it's like, you're in charge of this. Right. And you will decide to put this in your vagina, not the man puts his penis in your vagina. He also said he doesn't subscribe to the trope of dads having to, quote, protect my daughter's virginity with great prejudice if necessary. I love all of this so much. Absolutely (laughs) so much. One, love how Kristen Bell is saying it because, you know, oh, God, we don't need to be talking about deflowering or like how a man. Yeah, we we shouldn't be saying lose your virginity for women, you know, because it's a construct. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And but I also I also love so much what Dax is saying about, you know, not protecting their daughter's virginity because yeah. uh, How much do you hate those like photos that happen every time around like prom season where it's a, it's a guy posing next to his daughter and her boyfriend with a gun. And I'm like, my God. (laughs) God. And you know, something else that I really like about this is that they used like correct terms and like, like medical terms to talk about, You know, like it wasn't like, you know, you're coming up with some weird like, oh, PP or like whatever, like, you know, silly terms like you're just calling them what they are. Um, And I think that like doing that early on is just it normalizes it, you know. It does. Oh, thank you, Dax. Again, not something I often say, but thank you. So true. <laughs> OK, so look, we all know that social media is bad for our mental health. Um, doesn't stop me. But anyway, as, <laughs> <laughs> as time passes, there seems to be more and more data pouring in about just how damaging these platforms can be on our brains. Well, I truly hate to be the bearer of worse news, but now it seems like social media can even affect our physical health, too. Today, we're talking with The Wall Street Journal's Julie Jargon about some of the newest revelations regarding social media's impact on our health. Hi, Julie. Hi. Thank you for having me. So you wrote a piece for The Wall Street Journal about how teenage girls have been developing physical tics at record rates since the beginning of the pandemic. At first, doctors were stumped, but then they realized that the girls all had something in common. What was it that they discovered? The doctors discovered after a number of girls showed up in doctors' offices across the country and even in other countries that they were exhibiting the same types of tics as one another. And a lot of them were explaining to the doctors and showing them on their phones that they were watching TikTok videos of people on TikTok displaying tics, saying that they have Tourette syndrome, 
and other issues that cause tics. And so doctors started putting two and two together and realizing that the tics that these girls in their offices were showing were not only similar to one another, but very similar to the tics that uh, people on TikTok were displaying. Now, to be fair, not all the doctors agree that TikTok is solely to blame. So what are some of the other factors that can contribute to tics? Yeah, there's been, you know, obviously a lot of uh, stress and anxiety related to the pandemic. And, you know, anytime there's high levels of anxiety and, and depression, those kinds of underlying conditions can cause uh, things like tics. And that's what some doctors are saying. It might be, you know, more to do with that. But a lot of the doctors who have seen these girls with tics that are similar to those seen on TikTok, they also have underlying anxiety and depression and other mental health issues that were either brought on by or exacerbated by the pandemic. And, you know, you spoke to neurologist Dr. Donald Gilbert, who said the tics are real symptoms of functional neurological disorders, meaning they're not just in someone's head. Could you just explain how these TikToks contribute to these tics? Yeah, as it was explained to me by Dr. Gilbert and others, that sometimes when someone has psychological stress that they're under, that stress can manifest in physical ways. And sometimes it manifests in ways that patients have seen before. And Dr. Gilbert mentioned that he has seen patients in the past who had non-epileptic seizures. And many of those patients had actually witnessed family members who had epilepsy and had seizures. So sometimes um, what he, he described it as a disease model um, where you know someone has seen a particular type of disease and how it looks and ends up sort of subconsciously modeling that when they're under some sort of psychological distress. And, you know, his prescription for unlearning the tics includes cognitive behavioral therapy and taking a break from TikTok for several weeks. I mean, we all know that social media is bad for us, but were you surprised to see a doctor recommending this as a medical opinion? I was surprised when he when he told me that that was the first thing he recommends that these patients do. I had not heard of that being a recommendation for other issues related to social media use before. So I thought that was interesting that he said to step away from that, uh, stop seeing something that might be triggering for people. So something I found very interesting was the story of Kayla Johnson, a 17-year-old from Texas. Kayla had been previously diagnosed with ADHD and went to YouTube and TikTok to try and find coping mechanisms for schoolwork from other teens with ADHD. And this led her to the tick videos, and she eventually developed her own tics. Is this another good example of how social media algorithms can do more harm than good? Yeah, you know, she was not looking for tick videos. That was not what she was hoping to find. And what she was hoping to find were videos from other kids like her who were struggling in a remote school and, and struggling with organization and time management. And so she she went to YouTube and and instead of, well, she found those videos, but in addition, she also was served up TikTok compilation videos of people who had ADHD and tics or anxiety and tics. And she started seeing, you know, a lot of those videos that she didn't set out to find. All right. Well, we'll be right back with more from Julie Jargon. SheFit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. 
Hi, I'm Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick. And we're the hosts of the science podcast, Stuff to Blow Your Mind, where every week we get to explore some of the weirdest questions in the universe. Like, if sci-fi teleportation was possible, how would it square with the multitudes of organisms that inhabit our human bodies? Can we find evidence of emotions in animals like bees, ants, and crayfish? How would an interplanetary civilization function? Does free will exist? Stuff to Blow Your Mind examines neurological quandaries, cosmic mysteries, evolutionary marvels, and the wonders of techno-history. Basically, this show is the altar where we worship the weirdness of reality. If anybody ever told you you ask the weirdest questions, it is time to come join us in the place where you belong, the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast. New episodes publish every Tuesday and Thursday with bonus episodes on Saturdays. Listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Roxanne Gay, host of the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. Now, what is the Roxanne Gay Agenda, you might ask? Well, it's a podcast where I'm going to speak my mind about what's on my mind, and that could be anything. Every week, I will be in conversation with an interesting person who has something to say. We're going to talk about feminism, race, writing in books and art, food, pop culture, and yes, politics. I start each show with a recommendation. Really, I'm just going to share with you a movie or a book or maybe some music or a comedy set, something that I really want you to be aware of and maybe engage with as well. Listen to the Luminary Original Podcast, The Roxanne Gay Agenda, The Bad Feminist Podcast of Your Dreams, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with The Wall Street Journal's Julie Jargon. So this isn't the first time a cluster of tick-like disorders has appeared at the same time. You mentioned a famous case from upstate New York where several teens developed ticks that were eventually diagnosed as a mass psychogenic illness, but were mostly confined to a geographic location. I mean, this is pretty terrifying considering that social media draws people into these shared communities. So can you explain a little bit about how this case evolved? And also, do you foresee more cases like this happening unless there's some sort of change to social media? You know, yeah, it's really interesting that there have been cases like this in the past, not only in upstate New York, but other places. And they were always, you know, one school or one community where oftentimes it was teenage girls that developed kind of the same sort of symptoms as one another. And this is the first time that Doctors have said they've noticed this happening on a very mass scale because of the reach of social media and people being exposed to the same content around the same time. Could this happen again? You know, I suppose it could. It's still, you know, these these videos are still there. Doctors have told me that they're continuing to see patients coming in with ticks. It hasn't stopped. And whether there could be some other type of behavioral sort of physical manifestation of a, of a stressor that might be witnessed on social media... It's hard to say whether we could see something quite like this again. But I mean, clearly you're seeing, you know, a lot of young people that have been dealing with eating disorders and other mental illnesses and and other psychological effects that could be attributed, at least in part, to what they're seeing and, and, and being exposed to on social media. So I don't think that's going to go away. 
And I mean, this this all feels very overwhelming and and kind of unsolvable. And I guess it just comes with the territory of having new technology and slowly discovering its effect on humans. I think you touched on this a little bit before, but what were some of the most helpful things you learned in writing this piece? Well, you know, when some of the doctors have said that just being able to tell these young people that they are in control of this and they can learn to sort of unlearn this behavior. That has been helpful to a lot of the patients. Some doctors have told me that, you know, almost not always immediately, but sometimes immediately the patients, once they were given a firm diagnosis and told, you know, we understand you're not faking this, you're not making this up, but you do have the ability to have some control over it, that that has really helped a lot of patients resolve the tics and just using the cognitive behavioral techniques to learn what triggers episodes of tics and how to kind of fight against that, that I know has helped Kayla kind of reduce the number and severity of the tics. You know, maintaining a normal routine was another thing that the doctor said is helpful that, you know, a lot of times when these when these kids have tics and, and they have an episode at school, it can feel really embarrassing. It can be disturbing and distressful. And they might, you know, go to the nurse's office and go home for the day. But having that disruption and those transitions can bring on tics. And so the, the better thing to do is just go about your daily life, maintain your routine, don't have those disruptions and transitions if possible. So, I mean, just to wrap up, I'm curious, did writing this piece change your own social media habits? I'm pretty careful in my social media habits, I will say. I, you know, I mean, I, I definitely can go down some rabbit holes like anyone can. But I will say that, you know, I have three kids and they're ages six, nine and 11. So they're not, you know, they're not really on social media per se in terms of having their own accounts. But, you know, they do watch YouTube. And so I've kind of tried to use this as a cautionary tale to help explain to them that they really need to be careful about what they're seeing and the content they're they're watching. And I've had many discussions with them over the years about being aware that, you know, the information you might be seeing online isn't always credible to try to fact check things when you can. But this definitely, I, I, I definitely caution them to not go looking for these kind of videos because they were interested in learning about what I was writing about. And I didn't want them to go and search up these kind of videos and and have any sort of problems from it. So, you know, and I watched a lot of these videos in the course of reporting this because I, I you know, obviously had to see what it was all about. And I was a little bit, <laughs> I was a little bit worried about whether that would have a negative impact on me. So I tried to cut it off after a little while. But, you know, to your earlier point about the algorithm serving up more and more videos, you know, it's especially on TikTok, it's just one video after another, after another, after another. It's hard to right. just kind of turn yeah. it off and mm -hmm. yeah, set it aside. Well, Julie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for your interest in this. That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, virginity is a social construct. And while we're on that subject, almost everything's a social construct. So true. So true, Casey. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you go for your podcasts. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of the biggest stories on BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
Hi, I'm Hillary Clinton, and I'm so excited to be back with a third season of You and Me Both. When I started this podcast, we were going through some tough times, and let's face it, we still are. And here's what I know. We cannot get through this alone. So please join me for more conversations with people who will make you think, make you laugh, and help us find a path forward. This season, I'll be talking about the state of our democracy with experts and with people organizing on the ground. We'll draw inspiration from some amazing people like Olympic star Allison Felix and Grammy Award winner Brandi Carlisle. And we'll get into the hard stuff with writer Cheryl Strayed and my dear friend and colleague Huma Abedin. So join us, listen to you and me both on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council.